wrapping up warm for the winter. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Welcome one and all to episode 398 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly. This week I'm joined by full compliment. We've got English Dan. Hello. Santi. Hi guys. Nice to see you again. Andres. Hello. Welcome. And Tony. Hello guys. And we've got quite a bit to catch up on because uh, it's once again been a few weeks since we last recorded. Uh, so I can't remember whether I ran down all of the scores or not uh, when we last did this after such a big break, uh, but let's just go through the sort of main eye-catching ones right after the last episode. Um, River got a 5-0 win away to Central Cordoba. Uh, Boca beat Atletico Tucumán 3-1. Newells beat Patronato 2-0, and there was a 2-2 draw between Colón, who started the season, of course, you might remember very well indeed, and Godoy Cruz, who... Uh, did not they drew 2-2 um the following week the main results there were lots and lots and lots of teams that week who scored either one or two goals there was only one team who managed to score three and that was Tacheres who got a 2-3 win away to Atletico Tucumán uh Racing got a 2-1 win against Colón as Dan will no doubt inform us in a minute Boca beat Huracán 2-0 River lost 2-1 at home to San Lorenzo um, and then this weekend, just gone, the last weekend in April, um, saw, I'll read you out all the scores for that one, Beles 1, Patronato 0, Colón 2, Arsenal 0, Boca 1, Lanús 0, Defensa y Justicia 0, Unión 1, Independiente 0, Atlético Tucumán 1, Tacheres 1, Huracán 1, San Lorenzo 1, Godoy Cruz 0, Banfield 1, River 0, Aldo Civi 1, Argentinos 3, Central Cordoba 1, Racing 0, Rosario Central 3, Newells 0 in the Clásico Rosarino, Sarmiento 0, Gimnasia 0, and Estudiantes 2, Platense 0. Mention of the Clásico Rosarino also reminds me uh, that right after our last episode was, of course, the Clásico Platense, and that was a bit of a non-event after the... Uh, sort of preview that Dan and I gave it in Hand the Pod Extra. It finished nil-nil. Um, so what that does to, it probably makes sense to remind everyone what's going on in the standings, doesn't it? Um, it means that Colón, in spite of two fairly poor results since we last recorded, are still top of Group B on 24 points. Estudiantes just behind them on 22. San Lorenzo with 21. And River, in spite of having lost two matches in a row, are fourth on goal difference ahead of Rosario Central and Racing. And in Group A, Beles atop. They have a six-point cushion, 28 points, uh, down to 22 points for Boca in second. Tacheres have 20. Union have 18. Independiente, 17. Lanús, 16. Gimnasia and Atletico Tucumán, 15 each. It's the top four from each group, of course, that qualify. Um, so at the moment, that's Colón, Estudiantes, San Lorenzo, River. 
in Group A, uh, in Group B, sorry, um, Beles, Boca, Tacheres, and Union in Group A, and you will have guessed from the fact that I've read them out the wrong way around that my phone app is still listing those two groups as Group A and Group B when actually they're Group B and Group A. <laughs> Are you um, sure about that, Sam? Because in Promiedos, they did the same. Like, oh, Colón's really? group designed one and Vélez is designed two, yeah. Oh, in that case, maybe you lot corrected me when I shouldn't have been corrected at the start of the season. Maybe I didn't are. say anything. Yeah. I've been assuming they're the wrong right. way around the whole time. Yeah, maybe <laughs> What I will right. say, um, we have uh, four qualifiers already. Four teams that won the yes. result in the last week. Do you want me to read them out to give you voice a rest? Yes, go on. We have Colón, uh, unassailable... Um, well, they can still be overtaken by Estudiantes if they lose and Estudiantes win, but it's probably unlikely. So Colón and Estudiantes are both out of zone one. They will be going to the quarterfinals. And in zone two, uh, Vélez are guaranteed top spot everything. Uh, they've really walked through um, their group and they will be joined for now in the quarterfinals by Boca who have 22 points and are home and dry. Yeah, five clear of Independiente. Um, yes. before, before you go on, Sam, I know we're going to maybe talk about this later, but are you sure it's that unlikely that Colón is not going to get into the second place then with what happened in the weekend? What happened at the weekend? They won 2 0 against Sarsenal. Well, what will happen in this weekend? Ah, yeah, yeah the big. Um, it's true. It's been a while since they. Get some points from that, <laughs> that game, so. Yeah, but then Estudiantes have a tough game as well, away to Argentinos, who are now winning in the Libertadores as we speak. Um, I think, so, yeah. I don't know, I, I wouldn't I'm guarantee just... a Colón win, but I think they will match Estudiantes' result. Anyway. If, if for a change, my phone app is actually right about the kickoff times um, and when things are happening... It looks as if Argentinos Estudiantes is going to be played a few hours before Colón Unión, which would obviously give Unión a bit of an advantage in the event that Estudiantes win that match. Um, Colón. Sorry, yes, that's what I meant to say. Unión are in the other group, of course, aren't they? It would give Colón a bit of an advantage in that if Estudiantes win the match, Colón will know what they have to do. Uh, and obviously, if Estudiantes don't win the match, then Colón will know that they can take their foot off the gas because it's not as if anybody wants to win the derby anyway, is it? No, I'm sure they'll be. Yeah, uh, they they would be lacking in in motivation otherwise. I'm sure. Mm, mm-hmm. Um Which matches have stood out to all of you from of of the ones that your teams have played in the last few weeks? I mean, I'm basically I'm just saying, please uh, fill us in on what your team has done since we last recorded. Uh, Racing Cologne was all right. I mean, no Racing games apart from last night's, which we'll probably get onto in. Uh, international section of this podcast that was right but in the league it's been very meh for Racing but against Cologne it was good fun we had a no jump header headed goal from Luis uh, Pulgar Rodriguez which was quite fun to watch he just stood there as a statue as all these giants around him were leaping and the ball plonked on his head and, and went in so that was fun because Racing came back to win another last minute winner in El Cilindro, they've uh, made a bit of a habit of of that in recent weeks, despite usually playing really badly. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about Central Corva because I, I missed the first half. I was driving back from Exaltación de la Cruz 
And B, I really wish I'd left a bit later and hadn't got back for the second half because it was possibly the worst any team has ever played in the entire history of football. Just to clarify, Dan, Exaltacion de la Cruz is the name of a place, I'm guessing. You've not become a man really enthusiastic Catholic and uh, going to events with those names. No, it is a place on the outskirts of uh, Buenos Aires. Excellent. I think Santi will know as uh, Pilarense. He'd probably have quite a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a great name. Like I don't know if there's, there are many better place names than Exaltación de la Cruz. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if... Um, I mean, things haven't changed a lot, I think, since uh, the the last time we talked. In, I think, if if I'm not mistaken, it probably was the Clásico de Janeiro, um, where I was basically ranting on about the fact that in the paint they are shit and surprise oh, surprise memory, yeah <laughs> that's correct surprise surprise in the paint they are still shit um they have scored only three goals i think uh since uh that that defeat uh in all competitions um they've mustered seven shots on target in every single one of the games including the Copa Sudamericana ones, which in the Vente has been doing decently. But um, apart from that, um, in the Vente have been ravaged by COVID-19. Um, they have uh, had almost half of the squad out. Um, they've all, they've also lost uh, momentarily Julio Cesar Falcioni first due to COVID-19, which in which case Omar Piccoli took his place. But then unfortunately, he had some personal issues to deal with, uh, namely the... The health of his wife, I think, if I'm if I'm correct, um, which meant that uh, Mon Pedro Monson uh, was had to step, step in and uh, and replace him. I think in the in the game that resulted in the loss against Atletico Tucumán. Before that, um, under under uh, Piccoli, uh, they had uh, drawn nil nil against Union de Santa Fe, which was a result in which both teams played for the draw and. In hindsight, although it was something that I could also see while the game was going on, but in hindsight, particularly, it was a poor decision because in the they then lost 2 0 against Atletico Tucumán deservedly. Um, and they've shown very, very little uh, idea, I think, of what to do during games with the ball and how exactly they want to progress and how exactly they want to feed chances to, to Sergio Romero. It's Sergio Romero, I'm making the same mistake as. As uh, Fernando Niembro and Silvio Romero, um, and uh, yeah, it's in the paint. It just looks like a, like a team that doesn't know what what are their their strengths. What are their um, what's the best way in, in which they can maximize their their own squad? Um, and this looks particularly worrying because um, there has been so much unrest off pitch, which. Um, almost uh, balances the, the unrest on pitch uh, with all this um, saga of their travels to Bahia um, and, and their, their issues with, um, with the local authorities because of uh, some positive COVID-19 tests and how the, um, the players have been treated in the airport and how they've returned from that game, which ended in a 2-2 draw without uh, neither Falcioni nor Piccoli nor uh, Monson, but the goalkeeping coach Omar Velázquez, which is the fourth manager in four 
games for Independiente. Um, and as they returned, they also had to stay for an extra day in a hotel uh, back in Argentina until the Ministry of Health actually granted them permission to return to the homes, which, mean, which means they will have... Um, they will have to play against uh, Huracan this Sunday with very any rest and with qualification out of the hands because in the paint they now need to win and for Union to drop points in that uh, elusive uh, Santa Fe Davi against Colón. Uh, and they have also to go to to travel to, to the Tomás Adolfo Uco, a, a stadium in which they haven't won since 2009. And they haven't won with Colón as the home team since with sorry with Huracan as their home team since 2002. So all in all, I I don't think it looks very good for Independiente, um, even despite the fact that Huracan are not exactly inspiring. But Independiente can't score to save their lives. Um, I don't know, man. I'm just drained you, at this point. Can you fill us in, Santi, on what exactly happened in Bahia? I know that normally. We talk about the, uh, as Dan says, talk about the continental matches in the second half of the podcast, but you've, you've mentioned this already and it kind of does seem to sum up a lot of what's going wrong for the club off the pitch in particular. Uh, just the lack of organisation and the lack of one hand talking to the other, so to speak, that, that has contributed to this situation. Right. So um, as far as I can understand, I could understand from, from everything that transpired, um, I think the main issue was the fact that, um, well, first off, Brazil, uh, of course, it's divided in states, not promises. So that means that each state has its own jurisdiction uh, as regards to travel and travel bans. And what uh, do the authorities ask from people who come into, into each state, which means that Bahia has stricter uh, regulations, I think, in terms of what a negative uh, COVID-19 test means. The thing is that Independiente Pro, um, is, it is believed that Independiente um, consulted with Comebol on this fact and Comebol gave them the all clear to, to travel despite the fact that in some um, anti-gene, I think it's in English, anti-gene tests, um, anti-gene tests uh, on several players have, uh, have thrown positive cases of COVID-19. They travel anyway. They were not allowed to, to enter uh, Brazil, but from that moment on, they were treated, uh, the players who, who were denied permission to, to, enter, to enter Bahia were well treated extremely poorly. They were forced to stay at the airport, sleep on the floor with a few scrappy with a few scrappy mattresses, which were about four um, the next morning, they were, they were um, walking by the police forcefully. Um, they had a they had a spat with the police. The police showed them a weapon. Then they um, then they interrogated Adriana Regui and Juan Manuel Serralde. Um, basically, well, it was an absolute mess. And um, as if this wasn't enough, apparently the players did not want to play uh, that game on Wednesday. Uh, against Esporte Clube de Bahia, but the authorities at the club decided they wanted to, to play anyway uh, so as to uh, keep the schedule uh, clear, let's say, to not uh, cram any more games in the future 
which apparently was a decision that the players did not exactly take lightly. They did not exactly like, but they had to do so anyway. So Independiente traveled with um, only 18 players in the squad. Um, five of them were defenders, and of, of those five defenders, all five started in that game. Um, so I think given the circumstances, uh, Independiente, of course, uh, drew that game, but I think I will talk about the game later when the, the correct section comes in. But, uh, but yeah, Independiente have had no barely any rest, I think, all week, um, all season perhaps. So this is the story of, uh, of Independiente so far. There was also some talk that they weren't being allowed back into Argentina because of the positive test. Is that right? Yeah, and, and that's despite the fact that in the painting, apparently uh, were um, handed the, the, the authorities in Argentina the, the information that all tests, all anti-gene tests had uh, thrown negative cases. But despite that, the police were forced to stay at a hotel for another full day before they were, they were um, given the all clear, uh, I think it was yesterday or today. Sorry, sorry about that. I, I messed up. Uh, I, I said that uh, they played on Wednesday. They played on Tuesday, in fact. But anyway, um, so they were they had to stay at the at a hotel for an extra day until they were given the all clear for, by the Ministry of Health here in Argentina to to actually go back home. So yeah, I mean they they have been encountering issues wherever they go because of the 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 sheer amount of COVID nineteen cases, and also we have to count on the fact that when they asked whether they could. Uh, uh, sent some youth players to travel and join the squad. The, the Commonwealth denied that request. So that was why Independiente were um, forced to travel to, to Bahia with such a, a thin squad. One thing I don't understand about Independiente, right? Um, for the Clásico, what, three weeks ago now? Two, uh, two and a half weeks? They had like 10 players out. Now for, for this game against Bahia, they had another 10. Like, do they all just share one mate between 40? Or, like, what's going on? Can they, they need to control it, I think. I think, uh, I think th- those were probably almost about the same players, but some of them were displaying symptoms and some weren't. Yeah. Um, I think those may mainly the case, maybe... I think it was. Uh, I think in the paint they are not entirely blameless in this uh, in this situation. They basically knew that they there have been some players that were not showing any more symptoms, but were still um, throwing positives. So why send them to trouble in the first place? Um, something which, of course, does not justify at all the treatment they received once they once they touched down on Brazil. That was absolutely dreadful and uh, reprehensible. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's another situation in which uh, a lack of communication has proven really costly for the independent board who are just busy doing literally anything else other than taking charge of the club they preside. Yeah, it seems like someone's messing up very um, very badly there. I mean, they're far from the only club. I know, um, was it, Fensi Justicia had 15 players out this week um, to play Palmeiras. I haven't actually seen how that game went. Um, I'm assuming badly. Uh, I mean, they, two, they lost 2-1. Two two one. Yeah. I mean, they, they held their own. Under the circumstances, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Andres, how have River been doing in just stick to the league for now? We'll talk about the, the Libertadores a little later. Well, uh, regarding River, I think it's uh, much more simple. Uh, or at least the story is similar to other stories 
we talked about uh, uh, regarding the, 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 the uh, national stage or the local league, or in this case, the, the Copa, uh, the, the, the Copa. Uh, so um, after defeating 5-0 to Central Cordoba, I think we talked about that match. Uh, they uh, were 4-0 uh, when the first half ended. And uh, after the final score, 5-0, we thought, our, at least River supporters thought that, well, uh, finally we will get the qualification or easy qualification to the to the final round in the in, in Argentine league or in this case Copa uh, or Cup. Um, but after that, they they uh, I think at this at that point they were second after uh, Colón, and uh, then they lost uh, two 0 against Lorenzo and one 0 against Banfield, showing extremely. Uh, Fragility, in, in, especially in the in the back, and uh, not being able to 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 finish properly the, the chances they had. I think this is something usual when real plays uh, in a competition, in the Argentinian first division competition. Um, and now they are they are struggling to, to to qualify. I think that if they don't lose, they don't, they can't defeat uh, Aldo Civi. That is a proof that they weren't able or they were they didn't deserve the the qualification uh, and as Lachardo isn't uh, rotating that much the, the, the team they are he he until now he uh, used to play with the barely the same the same team uh, and against Banfield that uh, made uh, several players to beat soft in the second half especially Enzo Perez uh, and well uh, that is something that River is playing and uh, I know we will talk about Copa Libertadores uh, later, but today against um, against Santa Fe it will be the first match in, in which Gallardo uh, finally rotates. Uh, not all the team, but several players will be will be there uh, when they are not used to. So uh, it is yeah something that we are we are used to right now. Um, talking about the the, the lack of. Uh, Accuracy, accuracy when it comes to finish the the, the, the plays, the, the, the chances they have, and to be extremely poor in, in the back uh, with the, not being able to focus and, and being distracted uh, with perhaps a few plays that the rival has that they manage to, to, to normally it is a serious uh, chance for them to score. Against one field, it was a proof because uh, it was, I think, Arboleda, the one who who shot through the ball away and, and uh, two more touches uh, ended with the goal for them, for Bumpel. And, and River wasn't, uh, uh, had a lack of uh, energy that was quite, uh, well, determined what, what River is, is suffering right now, uh, not being able to, to have three or four matches in a row, uh, regular matches that can, that can win. Thanks, Andres. And uh, Tony, Union, look like they're going to qualify, probably. I mean, we're still boring to watch. <laughs> we don't play good football. But I guess Asconsabal is doing good enough to get some results. I think thanks Defensa Justicia for not having players, I suppose. Um, and now we have the Clásico, which I'm very much... Um, I don't want to say hopeful... But I think it's bigger than that. Like I'm confident that we 
gonna get a good result. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the team it's pretty much always like looking at like the same. It's if you remember the, the lineup against Boca, it's been repeated. Um, bar some injuries here and there. The good thing that I, I will take out this of this tournament and that's Gonzalo. It's that he's trying to get the best from the young players, uh, like Gonzalez, uh, Senon, um, Beda, and they're, they're looking good. It, we have young, promising players, like we always did. Um, so I think that's that's more of the upside. Like it, it's more boring than than before, but the results are okay-ish. The, the win against Boca was really good. The game against Independiente was awful. Awful. Like, I, I don't remember seeing a more boring game. Uh, Santi, I don't know if you slept at some point, but I did. Uh, um, and against Defensive Justicia was all right. I think it was quite open, but mostly because Defensive Justicia failed a more weakened team uh, because of the COVID cases and whatnot. Um, so we took advantage of that. Luckily, in the dying minutes, to win one nil and and be in the last place of um, qualifying. So yeah, uh, the good thing that I just I just checked out it's that if Colón is still in, in first place and we're still in fourth place, we're gonna have back to back um, Clásico de Santa Fe because we're gonna cross. So hopefully, we can take a Colón down there too. Something to look forward to. Um, as it currently stands, I've just realised that Union are the only team in either group um, who are in a qualification spot and have a negative goal difference. Uh, that, that tells us a lot. <laughs> yeah, which gives gives Alice just some idea. Colon in Group A, uh, what I now realise actually is Group A, um, have scored 22 and conceded 9. Estudiantes have scored 16 and conceded 8. San Lorenzo have scored 16 and conceded 14. Rivera have scored 21 and conceded 10. Um, and in Group B, Vélez have scored 18, let in 13. Boca have scored 22 and conceded 11. Tacheres have scored 19 and conceded 15. And Union have scored 11 and conceded 13. Um, so, in fact, if you only win the Classic on 1-0, you will, in fact, qualify with negative goal difference as well uh, from the final table, which uh, maybe maybe that's something to aim for. Yeah, that that will be... Good, I suppose, because they will give us the underdog mentality, I suppose. Uh, I mean, go, going back, just staying a little bit, because we're, I'm not going to talk about Union in the, the next part, because we are not playing in any uh, South American competition. Um, I'm, I'm very hopeful, mostly because in the last 10 matches, Colón only won one. In the last 20, Colón only won four. So I think if the trend continues, we're going to be all right. Yeah. Um, to talk about some of the teams we haven't yet covered, I've just been scrolling down a couple of websites' headlines from the last few weeks to remind myself um, of what the general opinion's been on Boca. And uh, one of the words that is mentioned a couple of times uh, by La Nación uh, is pragmatico, which I think is, is entirely fair. Um, there's not been a hell of a lot very interesting to talk about on the pitch, they since we last recorded, they beat Atletico Tucumán 3-1 in the Bombonera. They beat Huracán 2-0 in the Palacio. And they beat, last weekend, they beat Lanús, of course, 1-0 in the Bombonera. Um, they've also, I mean, probably the most impressive result um, 
in, in that time as was a 1-0 win away in La Paz against the strongest on the opening day of the Libertadores, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, so they've had to, of course, juggle fixtures a little bit, but there's nothing particularly exciting to talk about there, particularly with Edinson Cavani seeing sense and deciding to uh, extend his contract, apparently, at Manchester United rather than move to Boca. That's a good choice, Edinson. Well done, if you're listening. Um one thing I had missed that I've just seen while scrolling down is that apparently Edwin Cardona has um, heart problems. Well, that's what they said last week. Did anybody hear about this at the time? No, I'm guessing not. Okay, well, that's a headline. I'm not going to go into more detail because uh, that would involve just reading out to you what I'm currently reading. And um, Some, I, I think the first sorry. time myself gone. Yes, no, I think it is a myocarditis. I don't know how to say it in English, but... It's a, a, an injury in the muscles of the heart, uh, and it is, I think, pretty common to, to for COVID. Uh, yes, well, COVID. I was related, say, yeah, that was yes. that was why it caught my eye. Yeah, Lucas Barrios yes. had the same um, at Gimnasia, I think, right? Barrios. Oh, actually, actually, on on his first game, uh, on his first game returning from from a long a long haul of COVID nineteen. Uh, all voice player and former Atletico yes. star F. Man Hassan Gonzalez, the greatest name in football, um, mm. had a heart attack. Calendario Gonzalez, exactly. Al Manaki, but yeah, uh, yeah he he's been given the all clear, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, I think, but it's I think it's going to be really, really difficult to see him step on a football pitch again, indeed. Yeah, um, if you are listening, F. Man Hassan, then. Best of luck. Uh, probably not. Nor is Edinson Cavani, just to be clear. I don't actually think that these people listen to, to the podcast. I'm not delusional. Um, Cavani, right? Who knows? He's got to practice his English, hasn't he, if he's staying at United? So, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maybe he is. Um, has anybody, the other big five team that we haven't mentioned yet, of course, are San Lorenzo. Has anyone been paying attention to San Lorenzo since we last recorded? Sometimes oh. they're good and sometimes they're shit. Um, and you never know when they're going to be which. They had a really good result against River. Um, I can't remember if it was 1-0 or 2-0 in the end. Two, it was 2-1. 2-1, that's the one. Mm. <laughs> Neither. Uh, yeah, of course, but I thought they played really well, really solid. And then you watch them lose to Wachipato. Um, and you're like, what the hell's going on with this team? Uh, what they did weekend? Oh, they won as well. Yeah, they won against Gore Cruz. I mean, if you don't beat Gore Cruz, yeah, should probably give up. Um, yeah, uh, who knows? Are they good? Are they bad? Are they somewhere in the middle? Um, I mean, they're the Gennaro Gattuso of uh, teams in Argentina, yeah, sure, mm. but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 a very distinctly average team, I think. Uh, and uh, they were probably... Um, they kept fighting, I think, for a place in the, in the final eight uh, of, this, of this cup uh, in large part thanks to the Romero Twins. And now one of them has COVID. So, I mean... <laughs> no, but they're all but, they're all but in, really. I mean, it would be very surprising... Uh... I mean, I can't see Racing. Racing would need to win by two goals uh, to overtake San Lorenzo in the standings. And then... And Central would, need... would have to as well, wouldn't they? Central and Real. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about three results going against them. I think they're in, to be honest. I'd be very surprised to see for that. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree about the River performance, but it's the kind of thing that they... When when you do it, put in a performance like that, you know, it, it was sort of seeding the ball, knowing that you're playing away to River, you're going to be second best in basically all the statistics. You don't want to take your chances when they come. Um, and it's the sort of performance that if you if you do that away to, you know, Reba or Boca um, and you get the win, then you look like a genius. But they try to do it in every match, it seems like, including the ones where really they should be looking much more expansive. Um, yeah, and, and you see, like, there's... Yeah, and there are spells when when they do try and keep the ball and they push, especially when the Romero's are, are fitting on the pitch, like, and they look really good. I mean, they have the players to, to I think, play expansive football, attacking football, but it just—I don't know—it's kind of like it doesn't—it doesn't happen. It's um—it's a funny one. Indeed. Um, is there anything to add to this little domestic? section early on have you got anything anybody from the the lower leagues or anything that we can bring in silence there so i'm going to assume the answer is no <laughs> not off the top of my head no it's still early days really in the um now uh still early days in the primera nacional uh only eight games gone tigre top of their group in zine or as sam knows it sam zombie <laughs> and yeah. Wemis of Santiago del Estero had the Zone B slash Zone A. Also, referring um, is absolutely atrocious every single and week. And that's about all, um, all we can say. Oh, and we do have an update afterwards um, on Primera D. Remember that? That was all very fun. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. We'll, yes. we'll get onto that maybe a little later towards the end. Well, I can say it very quickly. Uh, oh, it's not happening in the end. I they didn't have any teams go up. They just cancelled the plan to extend the division. They did indeed. Um, so they are uh, doing an apertura and clausura with 12 teams. Uh, that's Fantastic. brilliant. Reminds, yeah. reminds me of the time when um, the AFA opened the, um, the candidacy, I think, for, for everyone to establish their own under-20s project. And you had uh, applicants like Gabriel Batistuta and Cesar Luis Menotti. Oh, for the they national team, went, yeah. Exactly, and they eventually went with uh, Claudio Ubeda, who did not present yeah. a, a proposition, and he yeah, flopped find at out. the Under-20 World Cup. It doesn't seem like there was any announcement that the affiliation process was going to get cancelled or anything. They just, yeah, just left it. it. just fizzled out. It would have made a lot more bothered. sense. It would have made a lot more sense if they had announced it you know, several months in advance of when they actually did, because yeah. as, as we commented last time we discussed it, you've got some of them are playing in Doneo Federal A or, or possibly Doneo Federal B as well, I'm guessing, for a couple of the teams, which had already kicked off by the time they were expecting to kick off in, in Primera Day. Um, yeah. You know, they should have said in January or whatever it was, they did say, look, we're going to do this and it's going to be from the start of the 2022 season or whatever. So you've got a year to get your stuff in order and, and we can sort all this out and, and do the yeah, necessary perhaps what, that's what they're doing but ah i'm just sorry i'm just reading um oh for fuck's sake uh, <laughs> there is a possibility that there could be 12 teams now for the apertura and 
then they'll add four more for the clausura. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, presumably, those, as we said, those four won't go up, but I mean, fucking hell. Welcome to Argentina. <laughs> Come on. Um, finally, anyway, for yeah. this, this domestic section, Tony, I realise that this is arguably um, a bit of a conflict of interest for you now, uh, covering as a journalist, something that you're actually working in as well. I can't remember whether we've mentioned this on the podcast because you've not managed to make it along um, for a while. But what's going on in the women's game? Um, okay, well, I try to be as non-partisan uh, as I can. Um, <laughs> it's been fun, to be honest, because um, we had a lot of interesting results. I think the league is getting better for various reasons. Um, we have more interest from different clubs and and teams are starting to pay more attention and, and give more investment um, to their teams. So it's been more a, a lot more um, e- equally um, even uh, than, than prior years. That can be seen in the last results from Boca that they draw against Racing Club. They were two minutes away from, from loss their 34 matches in a row without losing. It was a fun game. Um, and there are a lot, of, a lot of other results that have been really interesting. Um, like, for example, uh, El Porvenir and the Partido Español, as it stands, are uh, two of the four teams are qualifying in the first zone. Uh, the Partido Español with a very interesting way of playing. They're trying to be as positive as they can. They drew a lot of um, good players from the interior del país. Um, El Porvenir is another of the surprises, like I said. They are uh, equal in points with Boca. Um, and they they draw against draw against San Lorenzo. And they, they're also playing good football for all the, the tools they have at disposal. The other group with River and Guayuquiza dominating, of course, and Independiente Amplatense are notching us stand the last uh, places to get into the quarterfinals. It's a little less even. Um, all the more complicated teams are in zone A, while in zone B you find Comunicaciones, Excursionistas, and Villa San Carlos. Um, they make things a little bit more more easy for River and Guayuquiza. Actually, River uh, won the first game against um, Excursionista 12-0. So that, that tells you about how things are going. Uh, so far, quickly, I'm going to tell you that last weekend, the Partido Español won against Lenus uh, 3-0. So Lorenzo won against Defensor de Belgrano 2-0. El Porvenir won against um, Social Atlético Televisión 1-0. Racing and Boca draw 1-1. River won against Villa San Carlos 7-1. Uh, Huracán won against Platense 2-1. Comunicaciones got a defeat at home against Guayuquiza 4-0. Excursionistas got another uh, defeat at home Free uh, one uh, against Estudiantes with a hat trick from, from uh, Lema and Rosales Central Independiente draw one one. I don't know what else to tell you in the lo- in the local league, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Thanks, Tony. Uh, we we also did sort of promise listeners that you'd give us a really quick rundown when you were able to of um, how the Libertadores Femenina went. That's such a long time oh, right. ago that I'm not sure you'll be able to remember much of it. But any <laughs> sort of main impressions from it in the end? Um, I, I think that we're still seeing the uh, dominant, dominance from the Brazilian teams. It was Ferroviaria that in the end won the, um, the tournament against America Cali in a very tough final. I think it was really entertaining. 
um, the Argentinian teams are still a little bit uh, away from uh, that kind of level of competitiveness in in the, in the continental um, in, in the continental. Uh, uh, I forgot the, the, the word. <laughs> Uh, context in the Libertadores, yeah, in, in the Libertadores, but they're, they're trying, you know. That I think they're they're still learning how it is to be dominant locally and not being as comfortable when they they have the the chance to to play against teams in another countries, mm. um, which it, it 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 tends to be a problem. Uh, to be honest, and again for those that don't know how much you said uh, on the previous editions of Hanapot, but right now working with Racing. And our our goal against Boca was to try and emulate what America de Cali did, which was the team that um, eliminated Boca in the Libertadores. Try to to make Boca uncomfortable, and that's that's where the problem begins for the Argentinian teams because most of the teams that coach in the Libertadores, either Guayurquiza, River, or Boca, play quite comfortably in the domestic league because the team tends to defend too much and, and give them spaces and they, they are scoring by five, six goals or even more. And when they go to play against, against the Libertadores, that doesn't happen. The teams go hand in hand and, and try to compete against Boca and they become a little bit uncomfortable that, that shown against River uh, for River, that was shown for Boca. They got some lucky results at times and both teams were... Um, Fairly disqualified or, or eliminated in, in in quarterfinals, the Chilean teams, Colombian teams, and Brazilian teams are still having a little bit of advantage in in that area, like in the mental area, to know that you have to go and win the game rather than expect the opposition to give you the space and the time to do your game. Thanks, Tony. Um, we're going to take a short break now, so. Um... Here's some music. Um, when we come back, uh, we will discuss a dear departed uh, hero of Argentine football and also, of course, what's been going on in the Copa Libertadores and the Copa Sudamericana. And there's a little bit of, I don't know whether we can call it national team news, but certainly national team gossip to talk about as well. So don't go away. Okay, the first uh, thing that we're going to do is, I have to admit, I've kind of been assuming slash hoping um, that Dan already has something semi-prepared on this uh, because Carlos Timoteo Grigol died today. It was earlier today, wasn't it? Um, yes. And uh, I mean, if, if Dan doesn't have anything necessarily to say, then I'm sure the rest of you do. Um, he was something of a hero for Gimnasia in particular, um, and for no, not for Gimnasia, what about yes, for Gimnasia and for Ferro? <laughs> Getting myself mixed up here. Um, does anybody want to say a few words? Uh, yeah, really big loss for Argentine football. I mean, obviously, he was um already retired by as a player, obviously, and uh, 
and a coach before um, before I started following Argentine football. But you get the feeling he was held in high regard by everyone. Uh, just a very decent guy. Um, kind of the message he always uh, sent out to Argentine football was uh, very positive, kind of uh, very kind of hard work, discipline orientated. He didn't try and get in, involved in any of the, you know, Gossip shit that sometimes goes around Argentine football and and yeah, his record speaks for himself. You know, um, a great player with with Atlanta and Central during his um, his younger days, a uh, South American Championship um, champion with Argentina. Uh, as a coach, he was um, he was champion and and runner up in the Primera with with Rosario Central. Uh, he won the league. Twice with Ferro, um, came second a couple of times as well, including the in one year where he, where Ferro only came second by one point to uh, Diego Maradona's uh, Boca. That single, you know, brilliant year that Maradona spent at Boca. Um, and yeah, what I was going to say, I mean, you can see from the from the tributes, not just from today, but uh, from how everyone used to talk about him, you know. Uh, before he, he tragically passed away, uh, just a thoroughly decent guy, and and yeah, let may rest in peace. Yeah, there was um, sort of forecast to to an extent, wasn't it? There, there were rumours that it had happened a few days before it actually did happen. So I suppose everybody had time to prepare themselves to an extent, and you the the public reaction I guess yeah so what I'm saying is that the public reaction wasn't so much a reaction in some ways it it, it started a little bit earlier and we've had the, the benefit of some some wonderful stories and everything in the last few days um, and he will be missed so RIP Carlos um, moving on to happier news the Copa Libertadores and the Copa Sudamericana have begun since we last recorded well, actually, the Sudamericana might have started before we last recorded, but the Libertadores group stage um, has definitely begun since we last did. And one of the things that I have learned in the last few minutes um, is that this year's Copa Sudamericana has a group stage as well, which is a little bit confusing and, and perhaps um, is not something that has happened before in the Sudamericana, but it does certainly make it a hell of a lot easier to give you a rough idea of how everyone's doing because it means I don't have to scroll down an enormous long list of all the games that have been played and pick out the Argentine results. I can just tell you how the Argentines are doing in their groups. Um, the situation with these is that only the top team in each group will qualify for the knockout stage, um, not the top two as in the Libertadores and as in, you know, I guess most of the continental club championships that all of our listeners are used to watching. Um, so in group A... Rosario Central are currently second. Um, they are on four points. Group leaders Huachipato um, are top of the uh, of the group with five. And San Lorenzo, as we sort of hinted at earlier, somebody mentioned that um, they lost to Dan. I think it was mentioned that, that San Lorenzo had lost to Huachipato. Have no points, but do have a game in hand. Uh, they're due to play Dose de Octubre. I'm guessing that that's going to be tonight because there's sort of Americana stuff going on. Um, yes, they are at home to Dose de Octubre in about an hour and a quarter's time. Uh, so that this table will be possibly out of date by the time you hear this. Uh, in Group B, 
Independiente, in spite of Santi's woes that he was talking about earlier, are actually top um, of the group with seven points. Everybody in this group has played three uh, matches. The other two team, the other three teams, sorry, in it are Bahia, of course, Torque, uh, or Manchester City, Uruguay, and Guabira. That's not actually Torque's name, by the way. It's just that they're part of the uh, the Manchester. I'm not making that up. Am I? They are part of the Manchester City group. Nobody's arguing yeah. against me, yes. so I think that they... Yes, yes. they most certainly are. Good. Um, group C has... Oh, I was about to say it doesn't have an Argentine side in it, but it does. Arsenal de Sarandi. Um, oh, they're currently in action against Jorge Wilstermann. Uh, and at the time of writing, they are about to kick off the second half and are 1-0 up. So if they maintain that result, then they will be third on four points. Uh, behind Bolívar and Serra of Bolivia and Brazil, respectively, who have five points each. Serra currently top the group on goal difference. Wisterman have just the one point, but obviously that could change depending on the result. Um, group D doesn't have any Argentine sides. Group E doesn't have any Argentine sides. It has got two Uruguayan sides, Peñarol and... Oh, hang on, that might be Paraguayan River Plate. Mine's a, it is Paraguayan River Plate, so it's only got one Uruguayan side. Um Penny are on the top of that, if anybody cares. Group F, Newells are third in Group F after everyone's played three matches. They have four points. Libertad and Atletico uh, Goiano um, are currently in action and are currently Atletico Goianense, sorry, uh, currently 1-0 up away to Libertad. And so at the moment, if that holds, they'll go top of the group. Um, group G, Tacheres a second on four points. Emelec are top with six points, but have a game in hand, which they will be playing against bottom of the group, Tolima, quite soon. And in Group H, Lanús are third with three points from two matches. Um, La Equidad also have three points from two matches, but are ahead of them on goals scored. And Gremio look like they're in a very good position indeed um, to finish top of that group. They're, they're playing their third match, so Lanús and La Equidad have sort of a game in hand, basically, but Gremio um, in that match are 6-0 up at half-time against Aragua FC, and assuming that they manage to hang on, cling on to victory in that one, they will go to nine points from three games, so it's going to be very difficult for anyone to overturn that. Um, Santi, you said that you wanted to talk a little bit about Independiente's continental form rather than just the uh, odyssey of their journey to and from Bahia or rather to and from Salvador. They're both places, aren't they? So that works either way. Um, tell us about it. Why are they top of the Sudamericana group when they apparently can't score a goal? Well, short answer, their opponents are shit. <laughs> Even worse than, than Independiente. Uh, but uh, to be honest, uh, I mean, I think it's just a matter of the fact that Independiente have um, even if they have a really disjointed uh, squad, even if they were ravaged by COVID-19, they still have some quality, I think, in their uh, within their within their squad. They have some some players who, despite uh, probably not exactly the best uh, setup, they've stepped up. Uh, well, the pun not intended. They have stepped up and. Uh, and delivered. Um, that was the case, for example, with uh, Alan Velasco. That was, that was the case with uh, substitute striker Jonathan Herrera, who was changing with a, 
a sizable five goals in this uh, in three Sudamericana games so far. Uh, three of them scored, of course, uh, against uh, Guavira in what was a three-one victory. Um, to be honest, I mean he was extremely a poacher type. I think he he really took chance to chances that were really easy and there was quite directly to him. But credit to him, he put them in. But uh, but yeah, I mean I think. I think in the paint, were even even despite some some lapses, I think in in concentration, particularly against Torque in the in the early stages of that game and uh, in the last latter stages of the game against uh, Bahia, when the paint squandered two two nil advantage. Even if that in that case, I think it, you could attribute that to the the. Exhaustion the the players must have felt after being uh, held on by the Bahia authorities for all not for the ho- the whole previous night, but still in the paint they can't defend uh, can't defend the set piece to save their lives, which is worrying, really worrying, considering that uh, it's probably one of the reasons why you hire Falcioni to defend set pieces. But uh, but yeah, I mean, so far in the paint they are were exactly what they need to be, exactly where they are expected to be. Um, and that situation doesn't seem to be changing anytime soon unless a catastrophe happens. Thanks, Santi. We won't go through all of the Argentine sides one by one in the Sudamericana. Has anybody managed to catch any other Sudamericana matches, though, just out of interest? I've been mostly concentrating on the Libertadores ones myself. Tumbleweed. So we shall move on. Absolutely not. Um, we shall move on to the Libertadores, where again, I'll just give you a rundown of who's in what standings, really. Um, group A is topped by Palmeiras, of course, in this group, uh, in this competition, sorry, is the top two from each group who go through to the last 16. And the team in third will go into the Sudamericana. Um, so Palmeiras are top with nine points from three matches and um, already virtually assured of at least a Sudamericana place. Uh, Defensa y Justicia and Independiente del Valle both have four points. Um, Defensa y Justicia currently just ahead on goal difference. Uh, actually, they're quite comfortably ahead of goal difference. Um, and Universitario are the fourth team in that group who don't have any points at the moment. In Group B, it's Internacional, the team with the actual best name in all of Bolivian football, always ready. Deportivo Táchira and Olimpia, so no Argentine sides, but um, that is currently Internacional, top on six points, always ready. And Deportivo Táchira are currently playing their third match and always ready, have a 1-0 lead with just under half an hour to go. Um, if they hang on to that, then they'll be second with six points as well. Táchira with three, Olimpia with three. Um, in Group C, Barcelona de Guayaquil have nine points, having beaten, if I remember rightly, just the other night, right? Boca, 1-0 uh, in Guayaquil. Was that last night? Two nights ago, Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, Boca, second with six points. Santos, a third with three. And the strongest, um, uh, fourth with no points. I mentioned earlier that Boca got a 1-0 win in La Paz um, on the in the opening round. And I think... Did the strongest then lose another one at home as well, or have they have both of their matches since then been away? That would make, in a way, that would make just one sense. home match for the strongest. Yes. Okay. Right. So they have two home games still to come, don't they? Against Santos mm-hmm. and uh, and Barcelona. Um, yes. Although I guess Barcelona 
although they don't play at altitude, they're going to be a little bit more used to it because they have to go away in the Ecuadorian league at times. So we'll see what happens. But on the face of it, a 1-0 win um, in La Paz against a La Paz side is a very impressive result for Boca to have started with. And they will, I thought, be rather disappointed with, uh, with that defeat to, um, to Barcelona the other night. But they should still go through, uh, you would think. Um, in Group D, Fluminense and River both have four points uh, and they also both have identical goal records, three scored, two conceded. Atletico Junior um, have one point and Independiente Santa Fe have one point and they have both scored two and conceded three. Um, but the other game, the th- the, those are all after only two matches. The third games are taking place in a, well, certainly in the, uh, Rivers' third game against Independiente Santa Fe is taking place in a bit. Oh, yeah, and Atletico Junior versus Fluminense is going to be played at the same time. So that group will already look different, um, even if it's just the point totals that are different, if everybody just draws nil-nil um, by the time you hear this. In Group E, San Paulo have seven points, Racing have five, Rentistas, another of the... Uh, best names in the competition in Uruguay have two points and Sporting Cristal of Peru have one point all after three matches in group F Argentinos Juniors are currently one nil up away in inverted commas to Atletico Nacional that match is being played in Asuncion in Paraguay as will Independiente River uh, later tonight and a couple of other games uh, which Colombian sides would normally be playing at home due to unrest in Colombia um if Argentinos hang on for the win in this one, then they will be... Actually, even if they don't hang on for the win. Unless... Okay, if Atletico Nacional come back to win the match, then they will leapfrog Argentinos. But if this finishes in a draw or an Argentinos win, Argentinos will still be top of the uh, of the group table. If Argentinos win, then they will have nine points, maximum points from three games. Atletico Nacional currently on four, assuming they lose. Universidad Católica... Uh, which one is this? This is the Universidad Católica of Chile. The, the ones that I think of as the original Universidad Católica. I've no idea when the Ecuadorian version were founded. Um, and Nacional of Uruguay uh, are the other two teams in that group. Universidad Católica, three points. Nacional, one point. Both of them have already played their third game. In Group G, Flamengo have nine points. Liga de Quito have four. Vélez have three. And Unión La Calera have one, all after three matches. And in Group H... Uh, Atletico Mineiro have seven points and Cerro Porteño have four, both after three matches. La Guaira um, and America de Cali have both only played two games and uh, La Guaira currently have two points and America de Cali none, but they kick off at 11 o'clock tonight. Obviously that's Argentine time. Uh, it won't be um, the local kickoff time wherever that one's being played. Where is La Guaira? Are they Venezuelan? Venezuela. Yeah, okay. So... Um, I'm assuming that that's being played in Venezuela this year. But again, possibly going a little bit too far in making that assumption. Um, what has everybody made? Well, those of us who've, who've got teams in the competition, which I think is Dan and Andres, isn't it? That's harsh. That's harsh uh, and Santi. Sorry, Santi. Bro. And, and sorry, Tony. <laughs> um, Dan, what have you made of Racing's uh, performances in the Libertadores so far? How have they matched up to what's been going on in the Copa de la Liga? Well, I think in Racing's favour is that there are two very, very, very limited sides um, in that group in the shape of uh, Rentistas and and Sporting Cristal, um, who looked terrible, to be honest, um, in the two games I watched, obviously, against uh, Racing. Uh, But 
Racing made hard work of him anyway. They had to come back uh, very late against Rentistas uh, with 10 men to boot um, to, to get a one-all draw there. And then against Cristal, they also salvaged uh, a very late win, 2-1 um, up. And both winning goals or, you know, uh, game-changing goals scored in the last few minutes by Juan Cáceres, the uh, 20-year-old uh, right back who suddenly uh, jumped onto the scene. And he also scored a last-minute winner against Colón. So he's made a habit of um, popping up when, when Racing most need him. So that's made him very, very um, popular with the fans. Um, and it's been, yeah, pretty shit. The same as in the, um, in the Copa La Liga. But last night, despite not getting the result, coming very, very close, uh, I thought they played very well against San Paolo. They, they took the game to, to Hernan Crespo's men. Um, they hit the bar twice in about five seconds and nearly gave me a heart attack. And then Eugenio Mena had the ball in the net late on. Uh, I need to see his goal ruled out for offside. And after I'd uh, screamed like a mental patient and had Nawel looking at me like I was indeed a, a little bit a little bit weird. Um, and it was refreshing to kind of see a match where Racing drew and think, oh, we could have won that because generally Racing's matches under PC this year have been, oh, crap, I have to sit through this again. But it was all right. Um, you'd think uh, Racing, what, they got... Uh, lead of three points over Rentistas. Um, they're playing Cristal in the next round. If they get a win there, which they really should because Cristal are awful, um, they they should be qualifying from, from Group E with, with ease and really they should be qualifying from Group E with ease because it's not really a very good group aside from Sao Paulo. Thanks, Dan. Uh, while Dan was talking just there, I was just checking um, something because one thing that did spring to my mind a couple of weeks ago when I tuned into the first of Defensa with DCL's clashes with Palmeiras was that those two teams are going to be absolutely sick of the sight of each other because not only are they in the same Libertadores group, but having won last year's Sudamericana and Libertadores, they also played the Recopa very recently, which was over two legs. You might remember that we talked about it at the time, Defensa with DCL getting a penalty um, shootout Recopa win thanks to a very very late equaliser um, in the second leg and between the 7th of April which was the first leg of the Recopa and the 18th of May so what's that about a week and a half away those two teams will have played each other four times which considering they're not from the same country um, might be a record of some sort I don't, I don't know how one would go about looking that up but um Anyway, it's it's pretty good. Um, Andres and, and defensive justicia, yes, I, I think defensive justicia will play or not uh, the the your favorite cup, which is the Suruga Suruga Bank, or or or, or is it played anymore? Uh, because now I'm not sure whether they is being played or, or not. Uh, I think it's still being played, but under a different name. It's no longer known as the Suruga Bank, but it will always be Suruga Bank in my heart. <laughs> right. Andres, what have you made of River in the Libertadores so far? Uh, well, we had it's only two, been two games, but yeah, 
two, two very different games. The one, the, 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 the debut against Cominense was uh, what, as, uh, as similarly as we uh, uh, usually watch River play uh, quite um, focused in the, in the, in the uh, Liga Profesional. In this case, in the first match of the Copa Libertadores against Cominense, they looked like they were home because uh, uh, they had a 67% of the ball position. They had the better chances to score, and they, in the end, they, they drew because of another uh, poor defending uh, play. But the, the overall performance was, I think, decent. Uh, and uh, the Fluminense showed quite a respect to River. But then in the second one against the junior, it was a quite strange situation, which is that the junior had uh, the more time, the ball more time than River, uh, which is, I think, uh, uh, unusual and well, a lot of people saying that that was remarkable, and I think it was because uh, uh, normally River and especially Copa Libertadores, River is the one who has more time the ball. While in this case, Junior, which I think also a, a decent team, um, uh, managed to to have more time than River the, the, the possession, uh, and I think it was uh, in that match they started to show this this uh, uh, lack of energy that I talked about in, in the beginning. Uh, and well, they finally uh, uh, could, could win, but not in, in, the, in the way that River usually usually plays, in, in especially in international matches. Uh, so uh, now, well, they are, they are going to play Independent Santa Fe with that uh, uh, advantage of having one uh, local, a uh, home, sorry, uh, and yes, uh, 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 now they will rotate, or Gashal will rotate, as I said, uh, and have a quite different uh, team because, well, uh, uh, they are showing quite, uh, uh, I mean, the, the, the normal players or the, the players that are usually in the, in the first, uh, in the starting lineup are, are quite tired. And, and well, of course, uh, finally, Gashal will, will have to try uh, different players. Thanks, Andres. Um, I think we'll move on to listeners' questions now, unless anyone has anything else to add. Good. It's still difficult doing this over Zoom when we can't see each other. And uh, But anyway, uh, we have one question last week, which we didn't get around to, or not last week, sorry, last time we recorded, you know what I mean, uh, which we didn't get around to because it was sent in just after we finished recording. Uh, but it was from Simon Bunn, he said, not sure if you discussed it in the latest podcast, which we haven't done, but how do you think the proposal of a Super League, this was, of course, when uh, the unpleasant business uh, that happened in Europe was uh, happening when we last recorded, in South America would go down, i.e., do you think the owners of clubs like Boca, River, San Paolo, Colo, Colo, Peñarol, Olimpia, Nacional, etc., would want in? Um, that one's a fairly simple one to, an- to, to answer because uh, this being South America, the owners of pretty much all the clubs are the people who support the clubs. Um, so no, <laughs> basically it, it wouldn't get off the ground, I don't think. Also, I'm not sure what, what, uh, what would be like the, the parameters of what teams are going to participate if you consider yeah. the fact that, for example, Brazil has 12 grandes, three yeah, and also playing in the second division. And it's not like you can say, well, who's got the most money, which is what it was in Europe, because no one's got any money. So, Yeah, what money? In South America. <laughs> um, I mean, there's nothing to separate them. 
It, it might be a fun sort it. of hypothetical to draw up a list of 16 teams or whatever, but uh, I don't think we're going to. It's not yeah. happening in Europe it, it, anyway. It it's a horrible like idea. The, it will come down like the meme that says, are you guys getting paid? Yeah. <laughs> it will go like that. <laughs> Councillor Ashley Pierce asks, who would your 23-man squad, or it may be more now, be for the Copa America from the, from the preliminary squad selected? Uh, now, we don't actually know officially know what the preliminary squad is but Teise Sports um, have leaked or well leaked they've put up on their website what they claim is the list that the AFA um, has given to Conmebol uh, they can, have said that put the, the link on the chat please so I can Yes, I'll, I'll, I, I, I have it. Oh, Santi's going to paste it in. Cool, that's easier than cool, me cool, doing cool, it while cool. I talk. Um, so what, what they do say on their page is that uh, the AFA aren't going to publish this, um, publish it publicly. That's a bit of a tautology, isn't it? It's one redundancy, but anyway. Um, because it's just a sort of uh, an administrative thing. Uh, but what they say is that the names are as follows. There are 50 of them. Goalkeepers, Franco Armani, Esteban Andrada, Agustin Marquesin, Juan Musso, Emiliano Martinez, and Jeremias Ledesma. I think we can probably all guess which three of those are going to be selected, assuming that nobody comes down with COVID. That'll be Armani, Andrada, and Martinez, you would think. And uh, Martinez should start, but probably won't. Uh, the defenders are Gonzalo Montiel, Lucas Martinez Cuarta, Germán Petzela, Nicolás Otamendi. Good grief. Nicolás Tagliafico, Juan Foyt, Leonardo Balerdi, Facundo Medina, Neuen Pérez, Marcos Acuña, Lisandro Martínez, Cristian Romero, Marcos Senesi, Fabricio Angileri, Walter Kahneman, Renzo Sarabia, and Milton Casco. I'm sure we can probably all think of at least one or two names that we'd add to that list if we could, uh, if we had a minute or two to think about it. I mean, yeah. I mean you think the... Could we? The top five, at least, uh, are Shurins. And then hmm. Acuna Tambier as well. Uh, I mean, I, I would really, yeah. really love it if uh, Senesi, Romero and Lisandro Martinez were in, in to actually make the cut. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Well, do we, are, we are too hipster for that. Yeah. We are Midfield. too hipster <laughs> for that. <laughs> the, the midfielders are Rodrigo de Paul, Leandro Paredes, Lucas Ocampos, Giovanni Lo Celso. I mean, surely all four of them are going to be in. Matias Saracho, you would think, might make it as well. Guido Rodriguez, Alexis McAllister, Ezequiel Palacios, Alejandro Gomez, Roberto Pereira, Nicolás González, again, should make it. He did score in both matches of Argentina's uh, World Cup qualifying doubleheader last time out. Um, Ángel Correa, Nicolás Domingo, Santiago Ascasibar, Eric Lamela and Enzo Pérez, who's it's Nico Just Dominguez, me. not en- Domingo. So- yeah, no, no, I said Nicolas, Nico Dominguez. Did I say Domingo? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I meant to say Dominguez. I was thinking of the uh, presumably now long-retired former River midfielder. Um, I think he's still playing at Olympia. I mean, he might be because... Enzo Perez has just signed apparently a, a two-year contract extension, which takes him through to December 2023 at Rio, by which time he's going to be 36 or something, I think, right? Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah as I said, yep. I think De Paul, Paredes, Ocampos, Lo Celso, um, you'd think Alejandro Gomez as well, and, and Nicolas Gonzalez probably are, are all highly probable. Angel Correa. Too. I would like Casiva. 
he's doing well at Hertha. Yeah, I, I would really like us. I think it would be it would be more likely for him to go to the under 23s uh, squad yeah. for the Olympics, not the Copa America one. Yeah, and Lamela is a joke. Come on, I'm a Spurs supporter, but like Lamela is a joke there. Yeah, I mean, consider the fact that it's years. a 50-man squad. I mean, you had to scrape the barrel for some names. Mm, okay. Papo Gomez, I think he will be always called up and never be into the team. Now with yeah, a 23-man squad, I'm not that sure anymore. Yeah. We'll have to see. Oh, Argentinos have just got 2-0 up with uh, 11 minutes to go. Now they have a lot of And the forwards on this list are Joaquin Correa, Lucas Alario, Paulo Dybala, Adolfo Gaich, Matias Suarez, Lautaro Martinez, Sergio Aguero, Angel Di Maria, hmm, Giovanni Simeone, and Mauro Icardi. Only joking. Lionel Messi is also on the list, don't worry. Um, Actually, out of that list, you will have to discard Lucas Alario, who will certainly miss the Copa America through injury, unfortunately. Oh, okay. So when was this published? <laughs> Before he got injured? Or... Yeah, a long time ago. Oh, okay, right. Good. Well, um, I hope Suarez is not a serious option. I mean, come on. I, I don't think he's even... I mean, you know, we, we, we discussed this before about how he only started getting called up after, almost immediately after he signed for Riber, but had arguably, you know, done more to deserve... Well, I definitely done more to deserve it, really, when he was at Anderlecht, by, by most accounts. Um, when he actually I mean, could have... Look at Armani... Armani was non-existent when he was the best goalkeeper in South America at uh, at Atletico Nacional, and then he came, he touched down at River, and suddenly he was the number one mm. goalkeeper for Argentina, like immediately. Yep. Yeah. Um, anyway, of the forwards, you would, I mean, I think Messi will probably scrape into it, don't you? Um, the others are going to be interesting to see. I mean, you could certainly make an argument for not taking at least two names that I think probably will end up being taken. Um, you know, whichever those two names might be. Um, Lautaro Martinez obviously is also going to also going to travel. I think Simeone could make a, a decent backup. You wouldn't th- think that Icardi is there as anything more than decoration. No. You would you would hope that Angel Di Maria isn't going to be in the final squad. But they're going to take Aguero. That's for sure. You think he's going to take Aguero? Yeah, for experience and well, that, and yeah. Messi needs a teammate, doesn't he? Uh, sorry, a roommate. Indeed, yeah. True. <laughs> in, a 20, in a 23-man squad, someone's going to have to sleep on their own. Maybe that could be him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not messy. Um, it's, also, happy. it's also worth remembering that, uh, as I think it was Santi pointed out before we started recording, um, there are going to be uh, two World Cup qualifying matches before the Copa America kicks off as well. Um, those are going to be on the... No, not on the 7th and 8th. They are going to be rounds 7 and 8 of the World Cup qualifiers because they're not going to be the ones that were postponed from March. Uh, Argentina will be at home to Chile oh, on the 3rd of June and then away to Colombia on the 8th of June and then we'll have to come back to Argentina to start the Copa America on the 13th or 14th. I'm not sure when they're playing in the, on the opening day. but um, I mean, as it stands, it's going to be in Argentina and Colombia. True. They're leaving it very late if they're going to move it to else to another country. Yeah, but it seems like their hands will end up being tied if uh, the unrest in Colombia and the COVID crisis in Argentina goes on. True. Although you said that they were planning to take it to Uruguay rather than Argentina, which, as I said, is a bit weird given that the the numbers are absolutely through the roof in terms of cases per million over in 
of Renew Uruguay at the moment. Um, but wherever you go in South America at the moment, there are going to be issues with it, aren't there? Because our dear listeners up there in the global north, you're hogging all the vaccines. Stop it. It's very naughty. Anyway, um, moving on to the next listener's question. Uh, Tom Robinson says, why does Pablo Perez hate technology so much? I'm assuming I think I'm it's personal with... I'm not, I don't think it's personal with technology. I think he just hates everything. Yeah, he's a very angry I mean, man. He plays football that way. Um, Shall we explain? Yes, please do, Dan. Um, so there was an incident uh, during Sunday's Clásico Rosarino, which was won by Central 3 0, as we mentioned before, um, where a drone was flying across Central's Gigante del Arroyito pitch. Uh, carrying some sort of pro central or anti news banner. Uh, it was actually central's Lucas Camba who grabs it first and kind of gently but extremely stupidly uh, drags it off the pitch. And I think I am sure this is my heartfelt feeling that Gamba actually breaks his drone first because he just carries it bouncing yeah, just, over the floor and a police flies off and he just chucks it on the floor kind of get, doesn't he? I mean, which yeah. is fair enough and he, but... and he gets behind the goal line and he looks and it's like oh shit have I broken that and suddenly here comes along Pablo Perez and he just stamps the fuck out of it like yes now it's broken mate don't worry <laughs> I mean, and, I think that I think, and if, he throws uh, the ball at it as well, just in case he didn't completely destroy it with that um, full-blooded stamp. And I think yeah. the only surprise was that he didn't get booked. <laughs> I mean, he did get booked about uh, thirty uh, minutes later. A few minutes. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd... but uh, I think the the fact that um, the drone must have probably been broken already before he absolutely destroyed it makes it even better. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I, I also enjoyed all of the people afterwards, you know, asking on social media and stuff like, what did the banner say for Pablo Perez to get that heated? It's like, have you paid any attention to the way that he has lived his life <laughs> for, for for its whole duration? It, it doesn't have to have said anything. Um, <laughs> Carla, well, wonder, to, to, not, to not, not leave this, this subject, I wonder if he got, like, forced to pay for the drone or something. No. Nah. Nah? I think because. it's fly fly a drone five meet I mean a meter above the pitch of a classy guy at your own risk. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's in the warranty for drives. Yeah, yeah. I mean I'm on um I'm on Pablo Perez's side in this, really. I think if I were a footballer, I maybe wouldn't have reacted quite that angrily, but I'd certainly <laughs> not been like, oh, let's make sure we look after this for so that we can return it to whoever owns it afterwards. Um, but it was highly amusing. Carlin Carpenter says can we just have 20 minutes of applause for Racing Femenino and their win against Boca? I think he might be... Um, I'm not sure whether he's taking the mickey or whether he just didn't see the last couple of minutes of that game. Uh, but it was indeed... Yeah, I did, I did says, reply. Yeah, I did uh, reply. Very so. good. He says, it was a moral victory. Oh, I see. Yes, t- Tony corrected him and he said, you won in my heart. So uh, <laughs> thank you, Carlon. Perfect, Tommy. Would Atlanta United be considered Argentina's MLS team? I mean, they have Lisandro oh. Lopez, which makes no a great team to start with. So, I mean, no. I'd agree. With I that. think I think the first team that uh, Argentine fans, I mean, considered their own was probably either DC United or Columbus Crew and Gallardo and Barcelona moved hmm. there respectively. So, I mean, I think that I mean, seat is probably taken. Like I just like I just replied to to Tommy and 
I'm going to say hi to Tommy and say hi to Carl, because also Carl is becoming a good friend of mine. Um, the biggest Argentinian to grace the United States has not yet retired. And that's still the Argentinian team, in, in my opinion, which is the Poland Timbers. Well, you have Valeria, Valeria Blanco, right? Valeria Blanco, Konechny. Yeah, remember Konechny? The one oh, Konechny, yep. yeah. <laughs> there are also sort of plenty of links to between LA Galaxy and, and you know, Boca, but Barros Esquelotto is still there, right? Uh, yeah. Inter-Miami as well. Nice. Uh, both Iwains, uh, Nico yeah. Figal. So I, I think it Nico probably, Figal. I think it probably depends on which Argentine club people support and how many of that club's players and or former managers um, are where in MLS, to be honest. Obviously, Sounds fair to me. Obviously, Atlanta United have, you know, in, in part, uh, uh, laying such an influence on the Latin American talent pool as, as a way of, I mean, partly to, to improve as a team because that's going to work, but also to, to go after that demographic, uh, not necessarily solely Argentina, but uh, other countries and other diasporas in the United States as well. Um, but yeah, there I we are. Those are all the questions. Andres, go on. What is remarkable, sorry, Sam, uh, I think that what's remarkable is how several players have uh, uh, gone to the to the MLS and, and, and are still there. I mean, they, they stayed for a long time. Like, uh, I think that Tony said, uh, like, for example, uh, Valeri and Blanco in Portland, Portland Timbers, I don't know whether Sosa and sorry Acosta Luciano Acosta, the former Boca uh, midfielder, uh, is still there. But uh, he was teammate with uh, with Rooney at DC United, right? Right. Um, the, the strikers that also played for the, the, the Timbers and then went for the, to the White Cups, then to London, then also at Dallas. Or uh, Uruti. Uruti is also the, one of the players who's been like ten years already in the United States. Well, uh, is it, is the, it Maxi Morales still at uh, New York City? He is. He is. That's another one. That's another one. Iwain, not Gonzalo. Yes, Federico. Yeah, Federico. Yeah, Federico, it's been like forever. Uh, the, the other one is been well beloved right now, mostly because he was instrumental to the last MLS Cup win, is uh, Celar Oh, He's, what a player. Yeah, good, good player. player. Yeah, yeah. That's it for listeners' questions. So stick around for the other side of this music and you'll hear Mystic Sam's predictions for the last weekend of Copa de la Liga group action. Don't go away. Okay, here we go. Godoy Cruz versus Banfield is going to be a Banfield win. Gimnasia versus Belez Sarsfield, I think, is a Belez win. Atletico Tucumán versus Defensa y Justicia, I'll go for a draw in that one. Uh, Patronato versus Boca Juniors, I've got to go for a Boca win. Arsenal versus Central Córdoba, um, I think I'm going to go for Central Córdoba to win that one. Although I haven't really been paying any attention at all to... Oh, Arsenal are bottom of their group. Uh, so, yes, I'm definitely going for Central Cordoba to win that. Argentinos versus Estudiantes. Uh, this is on Saturday lunchtime, is it? It's the 6th today. Sorry, That's going to be on the 9th. Oh, no, OK, I'm miscounting my days. It's going to be on Sunday lunchtime. Saturday didn't make any sense, given that Argentinos are playing right now. Um, it's going to be on Sunday lunchtime. I will go for an 
a draw. Riber versus Aldo Sibi is going to be a draw as well. Racing versus San Lorenzo um, might very well be a match to not watch if you're a neutral, uh, but I'll go for Racing to scrape a win in it. Uh, Platense versus Rosario Central, I'll go for a Central win. Huracan versus Independiente is another match to probably not watch. I'll go for a draw. Lanús versus Tacheres. Lanús to win. Colón versus Unión. I'm going to go for Unión to uh, upset the apple cart, which, as Tony hinted earlier, wouldn't be that much of an upset given recent form in, in Santa Fe Clásicos. And Newell's versus Sarmiento on, it says here, on Sunday night, which means we have no matches on Monday. Okay. Um, I'm going to go for Newell's to win that one. Are there any matches, obviously... Tony's going to say the classic of, but are there any other matches that we're um, particularly looking forward to this weekend, gents? Yeah, the classic is going to be good. Uh, Racing San Lorenzo, because both teams are, are in that playoff hunt. Uh, what else? Mm, Lando Tachines has sort, some potential, maybe. Um, yeah, that's probably about it. It seems like I'm just trying to work out whether any of the sort of contenders for qualification spots are playing against each other. And I don't think they are in either group, are they? Yeah, Racing San Lorenzo is about the only one. Yeah, because Lanús, I mean, Lanús are playing Tacheres and either. Uh, Lanús Tacheres as well. Tacheres, ah, math- Tacheres, Tacheres yeah. mathematically could not qualify and Lanús still can, but Lanús can't actually overtake Tacheres, um, if you see what I mean. If Lanús win that match, then they could qualify fourth but Tasheras should still be third in that situation um, yeah, depending on what Union and Independiente yeah. yeah and even then if Lanús win the match and and the other results go against them Tasheras might very well still still go through and Lanús might That's not um, so yeah it's a fairly uninsp- an unusually uninspiring set of fixtures considering it's the last week of group action um Obviously, the week afterwards will be the beginning of the knockout stage. So what we might try to do is get back to something like an old, a previous schedule of recording somewhat shorter episodes uh, a little more regularly once we're into the knockout bit. Um, but for now, it's thank you very much for listening and goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. From English Dam. Goodbye. From Santi. See you around. From Tony. Bye. And from me, thank you and goodbye. <coughs> Sorry, I couldn't clear my <laughs> thought. You sounded goodbye. a bit. Bye, goodbye. <laughs>
Um, and later on in Group D, both of those matches did finish in draws, as I suggested. Uh, not quite the same scoreline, though. Atletico Junior versus Fluminense finished 1-1. And Independiente Santa Fe versus River in Asuncion finished 0-0. Um, as I said earlier, if they both finished by the same scoreline, then there would have been no change at all. As it is, uh, that means that Fluminense uh, are now top on goal difference rather than just on alphabetical order ahead of River. Uh, four goals, four sorry, goals scored, four goals, four and three against to Rivers, three, four and two against, uh, both with five points. Junior um, are ahead of Santa Fe on also on goals scored with three goals, four and four conceded to Santa Fe's two, four and three conceded, both on two points. Uh, that was a little bit more complicated than I needed to make it, but there you go. Anyway, I'm nothing if not completist. Thanks for listening.